Hello, story lovers. I'm Laurel McCarg, and you're listening to Alligator Preserves. I promised you something completely different today, and you're going to get something completely different. Who out there remembers your first kiss? Well, you're going to have to stay with me for my Saved by the Siren story about kisses, cooties, and other scary things. But first, let me remind you, authors out there, that SEPA, Colorado Independent Publishers Association, is still accepting entries for the prestigious Evie Awards. Go to sepabooks.com or check out the link in my show notes for this episode for details on how to submit your work. You have until May 19th, and SEPA membership is not required. May 19th is the last day for SEPA to receive your application and books, so don't delay. And good luck! Welcome to Alligator Preserves, a weekly podcast about revealing yourself through storytelling, story reading, and story writing, but probably not story arithmetic, because that's not a thing. You just might surprise yourself with the secrets you'll uncover. Thanks for joining me today on Alligator Preserves, and if you have young daughters, my story might make you cringe. Who remembers your first kiss? I do. I I totally remember mine. I was five, and Andy was the cutest boy in the neighborhood. I think he must have been about eight, and he had this awesome bike, and he lived up the street from us, and he would ride his bike by our house all the time, and he was tanned and blonde-haired and so dreamy to my five-year-old imagination. And so one day he was riding by the house. I remember standing on the sidewalk outside my house, little five-year-old chubby freckle-faced kid. And I called to Andy and I said, come here. And he rode by and looked at me kind of strangely. And I said, come here, come here. I have a secret to tell you. And so he rode over to where I stood, and uh, I said, come here, come closer. And I, I had him lean in because I wanted to whisper a secret to him. And as soon as he was in range, I closed my eyes, puckered up, and gave him a kiss right on the face somewhere. It probably landed on his nose or his forehead, or I don't know where it landed. But as soon as I did it, <laughs> he he rode away yelling, ooh, cooties, cooties. <laughs> and I was, I don't know if I was horrified or delighted that I had landed my first kiss on the cutest boy in the neighborhood. Ooh, boy, that was, that was my first kiss, five years old. My second kiss, I remember, I was in fifth grade, something about fives here. And it was Rick Tassari. Rick, if you're out there right now, <laughs> I still remember you were the new boy in our fifth grade class, and you had the most exquisitely beautiful cursive handwriting. Don't ask me why I remember that, but I do. You you had beautiful handwriting. And you invited me up to your house with my best friend, Marilyn. And I'm going to tell you about Marilyn here in a bit. 
and also my baby sister, Carol, who had a steady boyfriend at the time. I was in fifth grade, so she was in third, and I was still an insecure, budding youth. So we went up to Rick's house, and I remember thinking that he was kind of a bad boy, but he convinced us to play Spin the Bottle. And gosh, he spun it first, and it landed on me, and he decided we had to go to his garage before he'd kiss me. So I remember excitedly, cautiously following him to the garage, going inside this dank, musty space. He closed the door behind us. And then I remember Marilyn and my sister, and I don't remember who else was there, probably Stephen Lanzoni, (laughs) another name from our past, maybe Jimmy, I don't know. But I remember them banging on the door and peeking inside the window. And uh, I think it was just a very little kiss before we were both embarrassed enough to run back outside and probably play in the woods. Then there was a very long, dry spell. I won't go into the details of kissing my cousin. He was a second cousin, but but still. Or the really icky, too-much-tongue of a ninth-grade boy. Ugh, gross. Ugh, just, ugh, that's all I'll say. (laughs) But I will share a story I wrote that horrified my mother when I published it a while ago. And I know you're shaking your finger at me from up above even now, Mom, but I really don't think this story will shock too many people other than maybe people with budding girls in denial of their sexuality and uh, maybe still some of my sisters. (laughs) I titled it Bodysuit Salvation. Who remembers bodysuits? Here goes, and I'll probably interject some things as I share my story. I can't believe I made it through that evening with my honor intact. The decisions I had made leading up to the most critical moment of my young life were on every parent's top ten don'ts list for teen girls around the world, but I had been a good girl for far too long and it was time to break out of my goody-two-shoes mold. My best friend since kindergarten was way cooler than I was. Marilyn lived across the street, and our parents partied together frequently with others in our ripe-for-TV sitcom neighborhood. Marilyn's parents owned a house on Cape Cod, And when I think back to the years of countless celebrations we shared down on their beach during the sweltering days of summer, I realize that they were the most generous people on earth. Sunburns, sand, splashing in the cold surf, outdoor showers, a walk to the penny candy store, and deep ocean air sleep was the schedule for us kids. Card games, grilled burgers, and plenty of alcohol kept our parents happy. I grew up over summers at the Cape. Marilyn had grown up more quickly than I and could hold her own with kids who frightened me. She smoked and drank well before the legal age. I had tried a puff from my grandfather's cigarette when I was 10 and knew I was going to die immediately and go straight to hell. 
And I have to interject here that my sister Charlene dared me when my grandfather was babysitting us and the phone rang and he left his smoldering cigarette in the ashtray. Oh my goodness. I, I just remember feeling green. Mom had shared sips of red wine on special occasions and had me believe that a little glass of port was good for the blood. But I never attended the parties Marilyn went to in our early pubescent years. My fear of losing control always overpowered my fear of being a dork. And when I think back to my mom and giving us a little bit of port after dinner, I'm pretty sure she just wanted us to get sleepy and go to bed early. (laughs) Five girls. What was she thinking? So back to my fear of losing control. Until that summer, I had accepted an invitation to go to the Cape without the usual crowd, and Marilyn let me know that we were invited to a party with cool guys, scary guys, college-age guys, without parents. I knew what that meant, and for some reason, I felt... I needed to prove to her that I could be cool, too. The older teen who drove us to the party had a tough girl reputation. Marilyn had told me about fights this 18-year-old had been in, and the fact that I was putting my 15-year-old life into her hands that evening was my first don't on the parents list. But I desperately wanted to believe that I could hang with any crowd, especially this crowd, which was way outside my comfort zone. And Marilyn and I had even picked out our majors to accompany the lie that we were college freshmen. (laughs) Whoa. I'm not even sure our driver knew the group of fellows hosting the party. Fellows. I said fellows, just like, just like my dad used to say back in World War II. And the smell of cigarettes, beer, and other smoke was strong as we entered the rented beach house. My instinct was screaming, run away, but I had already committed to experiencing something new. My very first full beer disappeared without any of my new friends realizing how horrible I thought it tasted and the nearly immediate buzz I got made the second one, and in my head, and <laughs> my mother probably was screaming, don't, uh, made the second one taste much better. It also brought one of the nameless dudes to my side with the suggestion that we take a walk outside. Don't. Don't. Don't but I did. I was a rather scrawny, pimply young teen, but I had a rack that commanded attention. Thanks. Thank you, Nana. (laughs) I let myself believe that this cute boy found my company enthralling. Except for a secret spin-the-bottle experience, and Marilyn was with me then, too, resulting in a quick peck on the cheek from an elementary school boy flame, I had never been truly kissed. So off we went into the ocean breeze, despite a warning from my lifelong friend, who by that time may have been feeling a twinge of protectiveness. She knew I was untouched. 
The salty air was dizzying. Or more likely, it was that second beer. And after staggering down the road a bit, I somehow ended up under him in the sand behind a clump of bushes. Although my runaway instinct was still on alert, his hands on my body sent new experience shockwaves throughout my being, and his soft lips sucked the spirit from my bones, leaving me a quivering mass of cherry jello in his clearly experienced hands. Stay with me now to find out how this story ends. And to my listeners out there today, I do hope you're enjoying my episode about kisses, cooties, and other scary things. And I hope you might consider becoming a patron of the Alligator Preserves podcast for as little as $1 a month. Go to patreon.com forward slash alligator preserves for more information. And now stay tuned as I tell you the rest of the story. There's something about a good Catholic upbringing that simply doesn't prepare you for the first time a confident boy decides he's going to have his way with you. Although I remembered laughing with others when Mum had claimed that one aspirin would prevent pregnancy, and the story was, just hold it between your knees and don't let it drop. (laughs) I had never received the down and dirty details of this uncomfortable topic and was beginning to feel that I was in way over my head. But, oh, I was feeling so incredibly cherished. And uh, read horny for cherished. For the first time in my life, I felt sexy. Cute boy wasn't missing an inch of my skin-tight, body-suited physique. And I wasn't about to stop him until my jeans were suddenly unbuttoned and, uh uh-oh, a stranger's hand was heading where no stranger's hand had been before. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? But Handy Boy must never have dated girls who wore shirts that snapped at the crotch before, and he was struggling to find a way in, under, around, an obstacle he could not comprehend. Frustrated, yet persistent, and by now I was scared enough to know I wasn't about to help him, he kept tugging on my locked-down shirt, desperately trying to lift it to get a little skin, but succeeding only in increasing my degree of excitement down under. Suddenly, sirens were blaring, literally and thankfully. A police car, on full alert, passed us slowly and stopped not too far away, and a sudden sobriety engulfed us both. For the second time in my life, I knew I was on my way to hell. The two of us, without discussion, got up quickly to sneak back to the house. We arrived to find a very sedate group. I was so relieved to be back in the company of a trusted friend that I was ready to get the party going again and went to turn up the music, only to be stopped quickly and told it was time to go. Evidently, the police had come to the house while I was engrossed in a grope fest and had put the kibosh on the party. I could not have been more relieved 
excited, tingling, and buzzed by the time Marilyn and I got back to her house and we were safely in bed, which for some peculiar reason began to spin. I'm pretty sure that once I stopped giggling, I fell asleep with a smile on my face. I'm also pretty sure that I finally earned a couple cool points with my best friend, but equally, I'd say mostly important, I had escaped an experience I was clearly not yet ready for, and I no longer felt like a dork. (laughs) That ends my story about bodysuit salvation. Marilyn is still my best and goldest friend. I claimed her in kindergarten. Right after they moved in, I I heard her name. I heard that there was a new girl right across the street from me, and her name was Marilyn. And I just thought that was such a wonderfully exotic name. And I remembered learning that she was coming to our kindergarten classroom the next day. And I was there. As soon as the door opened, I pushed the other kindergartners away, and I said, she's my friend. (laughs) We've been through some stuff together, that's for sure. Parents of young girls out there, take heed, and don't trust that the aspirin between the knees story will do the trick when it comes to your little girl being in a situation that she's probably not ready for yet. And I know this is a different world, and This was a long time ago this happened to me, but I believe there's still good reason to have some honest and respectful conversations with young people. I've got some good news, some very exciting news. For me anyway, I'm going to be at this year's 2018 Denver Comic Con. I have a table there and I'm also going to be moderating some panels So if you're in the Denver area, please stop by. It's Father's Day weekend, June 15, 16, 17. I will be there the whole weekend with my books and with a friend, Diane Smith, who will have her premiere novel entitled Seeing With Your Eyes Closed about energy work. It's a fascinating novel. And if you enjoyed this and other episodes, please subscribe to Alligator Preserves on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts, and do tell your friends about it. Looking to grow my audience here, and I would love your feedback. I hope you'll help support Alligator Preserves on Patreon. Check out the awesome rewards you will receive at patreon.com forward slash Alligator Preserves. Check out my show notes with links on my website, leadvillelaurel.com. And join me next time when I'll talk about something completely different again. And until then, try some peanut butter on that toast. Bye. Alligator Preserves is hosted and produced by Laurel McCard, with technical support provided by her husband, Mike McCard. Follow her on her website at leadvillelaurel.com, where she writes about life, real, and imagined. If you enjoyed this podcast, you might enjoy her books. Find her work at amazon.com.